Hello and welcome to Boiled Down. I'm your host, Greg Aspley, Director of Government Affairs for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. Joining me today from the Orla team is Lori Little, Director of Communications. Welcome, Lori. Thanks, Greg. How are you doing? You know, I'm much better now that the session is over and I'm actually able to take a little time off. In fact, I'm I'm looking forward to a little golf trip I have coming up with my oldest son, Connor. We're going to head out to Sylvie's Valley Ranch and check out the goat caddies and and maybe spend some time just relaxing a little bit. Nice. Where is that? That's a newer resort, isn't it? Yeah, over in Seneca, Oregon. So kind of central Oregon, about five and a half hours from Salem where we live. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I know you're a golfer. Do you have any plans or, or do you have a favorite course that you might get out to this summer? Well, I've golfed uh, a couple of times and and it's been really fun because my uh, son is golfing now. He played on the golf team for the first time this this year. And so he's kind of excited about getting out there. Um, so I don't know that we've had have any specific plans other than hitting a couple courses in Central Oregon. So, well, that's always a beautiful spot to be. And I know you'll be uh, you'll be gone. But, you know, we have a pretty special event this year, too, that's golf related. It's the Play It Forward for Hospitality, which is presented by U.S. Foods. It's a top golf event from Orla, and that's coming up August 24th, 2021. It's Top Golf in Hillsborough, and you know the website, Lori. What's the website for people to go to if they want to get more information? Sure. Go to OregonRLA.org forward slash events. You'll, you'll find a list of all of our events on there, so. Yeah, you know, this yeah. this is going to be a fun one. It's a new uh, new event for us. And what's nice is you really don't have to be a good golfer. Um, it's just, uh, it's more of a social event with a little bit of golf on the side, so. Yeah, and if you haven't been out to Top Golf, I mean, they have some great games that you can play out there while you're hitting. And of course, the food and everything that's going to be there. So we're going to have some of the, uh, the industry allies that'll be hosting small groups of restaurant and lodging operators in their outdoor hitting bays. And we've got some foods, uh, beverages, and all kinds of play. It's all going to be free. And you can sign up today, as Lori said, at OregonRLA.org slash events. And just come out and have a good time. Sounds great. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to that. And before we do that, though, uh, we've got a we've got a webinar that we are going to be introducing here. Um, we had a recent webinar on the ERTC and it was moderated by our own Tom Perrick, our government affairs coordinator. Uh, and his panelists include Krista Calkins from Think LLP and John Borowski, who not only happens to be an Orla board member, but the owner and operator of Pepe and Gianni's down in Eugene. And so we're looking forward to what they have to say. I know a lot of folks have been able to take advantage of that ERTC. Yeah. And just so everybody knows we're, what we're talking about, the employee retention tax credit. So uh, we've heard a lot of stories from uh, members that have been successful in, in participating in that and, and seeing some funds come back. So uh, it's a good interview. Yeah. Well, before we get to that, we want to make sure that you are getting the most out of your membership. And to help you do that, we like to highlight a benefit that you may or may not be aware of. Did you know that members who qualify get savings on computer equipment and IT support with Dell Technologies? Orla members receive up to 30 to 40% off the everyday price on select Dell products. Members can also receive round-the-clock access to IT help with Pro Support, which is only available from Dell. You can learn more at OregonRLA.org slash 
Dell, or contact Stephen Scheip, Strategic Partnerships, at 615-545-7186. And if you're not a member, come visit us at OregonRLA.org, where you can join and start taking advantage of the many exclusive cost-saving benefits. Every job has a unique set of tools. One tool all jobs need is workers' comp, providing protection for workers and employers if there's an injury. SAFE is Oregon's leader in workers' comp. We have the largest network of workplace safety professionals in the industry to help reduce injuries, and we strive to make Oregon the safest and healthiest place to work. A commitment to safety. That's workers' comp that really works. Learn more at SAIF.com. And now, I'd like you to enjoy the recording on the ERTC, and we'll talk to you after it. So let's get started. Uh, again, I uh, want to mention uh, this is Tom Perrick, our Government Affairs Coordinator, who is going to moderate today's webinar. So take it away, Tom. Thank you, Lori. Really appreciate it. Thank you, uh, especially for all your efforts, uh, Lori, to put this uh, program together. Um, I'd like to thank Krista um, and John as well, and uh, a thanks to Kenny for sponsorship. Um, I wanted to uh, thank everybody that's dialed in and, and is uh, participating today. I know it's time away from your office, but this is really, we found a really terrific uh, topic to discuss, and we found a lot of value in, in uh, talking about the uh, employee retention tax credit with members. So whether you're in the audience and still wondering if you should try to take advantage of it, if it's maybe too complicated, if you're just really not sure of the first step, we're glad you're here and we hope to uh, tackle a lot of your questions today. Um, joining us uh, today, uh, we're pleased to have um, Krista Calkins. Krista is an account manager with Think LLP. That's a boutique tax consulting firm uh, led by former big four partners and attorneys. And they have an engagement team that Chris is a part of uh, directly on uh, the employee retention tax credit. Um, Kristen's focus is in multiple industries, but we're fortunate that she does specialize in hotels and restaurants. Um, and then I would also note that Think LLP is an active allied Orla member as well. So Krista, thank you for being here and thank you for your uh, membership in Orla. Um, next up is John Borowski. John uh, is joining us today. We're happy about that. John um, is local to us. He's the co-owner of uh, Beppe and Gianni's uh, Trattoria in Eugene, Oregon. Beppe and Gianni's is a small independently run restaurant. John is a member of the Orla Board of Directors and in fact takes over as chairman uh, in just a couple months time. So we're looking forward to that. It was actually John that brought uh, the re uh, employee retention tax credit to our attention when he was uh, working through this process on his own. So uh, from an operator's perspective, he'll, he'll be giving terrific value uh, today as well. So Krista, if I could, let's, uh, let's, let's start with you. Um, before we get into the weeds uh, and talk about ERTC, would you just please go back and frame out what the tax credit is um, and really where it came from. Absolutely, and thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so, you know, just a short overview for everybody. The employee retention tax credit, you'll hear it said both ways, employee retention credit, employee retention tax credit. 
ERC, ERTC, there's a lot of alphabet soup going around out there with the coronavirus stimulus packages. But basically this tax credit came from the CARES Act legislation. Um, it started back in March of 2020. There's been a few different legislation changes that we'll go into in a little more detail. But essentially it's a refundable tax credit against certain employment taxes. It can be applied to qualified wages paid after March 12th, 2020. Um, again, there's been a few legislation changes and um, Lori, correct me if I'm wrong, I think everyone's gonna receive a copy of this debt um, after the call. So you'll be able to read all this in a little more detail. Um, so it, but it ultimately retroactively allows employers that took the PPP to also obtain the ERC tax credit. Um, ultimately, each qualifying employee can produce up to $33,000 in business cash benefits, and that's monetized through your federal employment tax withholding. So that's the overview of the ERC. Thanks, Krista. And one follow-up before we uh, before we uh, get get into the the detailed discussion. So you mentioned this the ERTC was stood up in 2020 as part of CARES and then amended it in, in 21 uh, as part of the American Rescue Plan Act. What could you just hit the highlights of the major changes of those two acts? Absolutely. So when the when the employee retention credit first came out in 2020. Um, it was only eligible to small employers, which means you were under 100 employees. It also means that uh, you could not have received the PPP loan. On December 27th, uh, President Trump signed a new uh, CARES, an amendment to the CARES Act, which then added um, that anyone who had received the PPP was now eligible. It also added that essential employers could now qualify. And in addition, it changed the amount of qualifying wages. Um, switch to my next screen, sorry about that. So some, some of the new guidelines that that legislation changed is that PPP recipients are eligible. However, there's no double dipping on the wages that you're using for PPP payroll and ERC payroll. Um, the definition of an eligible employer changed from not just a gross receipts reduction of 50%, which is the rule in 2020, to now only 20% reduction in 2021. Um, you also have a second more subjective test, which is a full or partial suspension due to governmental orders. So even if you've received the PPP, and even if your uh, gross receipts may not fall under those categories, there is a second test. And then finally, the qualified wages went from a $5,000 credit per employer for the entire year of 2020 to now being eligible for an additional 7,000 per uh, credit per employee in each quarter of 2021. Um, those qualified wages have now been extended again under the Rescue Act to go through December 31st of 2021. So now we're looking at qualifying wages from March 12, 2020, all the way through to December 31st, 2021. And that's why the full amount of the credit is up to 33,000 per eligible employee. That's terrific. Thank you for that, that kind of overview. John, I'm gonna to come to you. Um, you had your hands full navigating this for yourself as an operator. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, you are a small uh, independent restaurant operator. You could have missed your calling as a CPA since you navigated this uh, ERTC on your own. Could you first describe a little bit about your company? Just tell us a, a little bit about uh, your company 
and your operation. And then um, as it relates to the tax credit, uh, what what your general experience has been when you uh, dove into this to this issue? Absolutely, thank you, Tom. Um, so, Pepe and Johnny's Trattoria were just a small, independently owned, uh, full-service restaurant. Uh, about 20, between twenty and twenty-five employees. Uh, we are an S corporation, so uh, that's that's our founding uh, framework. Um, so as a bunch of you on the call, I'm sure, uh, over the last year and a half, you know, I went from being a restaurateur and cooking food and taking care of hospitality to being a bookkeeper, a legislation follower, a, uh, you know, all of these things with the, with PPP and EIDL and ERC and all of these things. Yeah, you kind of had to take on a hat and look at all these programs that were out there to help us make it through the pandemic. Um, so our restaurant uh, took advantage of two different PPP loans. The first one being uh, back in 2020. Uh, and we took it out in, in the very beginning. And unfortunately, for well, fortunately or unfortunately, we used the rules that were given to us in the beginning. So we used up our PPP in eight weeks and we were closed and I had employees washing windows that I was paying, but kept my employees employed. And that was the, the reason for the PPP. Um, and then in 2021, we applied for a second PPP loan and received that. That one, we were able to use more uh, receipts other than just rent and utilities, as everybody I'm sure here is well aware of. Um, and those both have uh, impacts on the employee retention credit. So in December, when the uh, first change to the ERC happened, saying that we could be eligible because of uh, we got a PPP, but they changed the rules and said, now you're eligible. I was able to go back and look at eligible wages. So those were wages that were paid to my employees um, that I didn't claim on my PPP. So since I used up my PPP fairly quickly, I had at least a half a year's worth of wages that I could apply towards the 2020 ERC. So I went through and I did that, uh, added them all up. And the thing to keep in mind as far as restaurateurs go is that my server's tips count towards wages. So what I'm claiming is all of those wages. Um, when I did that, I did, made up a spreadsheet, went through. And for me, uh, I'll just break it down. I've got, I got some raw numbers, but there was about $270,000 of eligible payroll that would have fit under all the guidelines. We were, we qualified because we had full or partial suspension as almost everybody on this call, I'm sure would, would fall under that category, which meant that I was eligible for almost $135,000 in, uh, in refund. Now, since that was a 2021, we had to, to uh, 
submit a paper amended return for those uh, credits. Then, so that's gone in. We haven't received the check yet because the IRS has been a little bit busy this year. Um, but uh, I still have that out there. I'm expecting to get a, a refund check for that amount. Going forward, come 2021, we also received a PPP. And what I made sure of was on that PPP that I used only 60% of my eligible wages against my PPP. That left me 60% or 40% to use on cost of goods, rent, utilities, and those types of things. What that did was that freed up some payroll that wasn't being used by PPP. And I was able to apply that to my first quarter withholdings. Uh, and on that one, I received about $30,000 worth of credit for the first quarter because you could get 70% of your wage, your employees' wages. That one, since I submitted it electronically with my payroll, I took a deduction on my last payroll. And then I also asked for a refund and have received that refund of the difference. And for me, it was about a $22,000 refund. Then going forward to the second quarter, I, I did the same thing. I uh, figured out my employees' wages, was eligible for $7,000 maximum per employee. So if an employee earned $10,000 in a quarter, you could get a credit for $7,000 worth. Um, and I submitted that again electronically at the end of Q2. I used it, some of it to offset my last payroll in Q2. And now I'm expecting another refund coming forward. So that's kind of been my experience with it. It's, you kind of have to juggle how much payroll you're using for one, PPP number one, two, PPP number two, which I haven't asked for forgiveness as of yet. And that's just because I've been waiting for the second quarter uh, 1041 from that I need to file with my payroll. And then the other, the third one is the Restaurant Recovery Act, which again, you can use the Restaurant Recovery Act money if you receive it for payroll is one of the things. But you wanna make sure that you're not double dipping. That's the important part. You can't claim payroll expenses for PPP and then the ERC. So for me, it's been lucrative to go through and do this. It was a lot of work going through, reading the legislations and this and that. And that's where somebody like Krista can, can be very helpful. Uh, if you don't have the time or the inclination to do this, don't pass it over there because there are people out there that will do the work for you. They, they will charge a, a reasonable fee, but it's found money basically. And, and it's stuff that's out there for everybody. And uh, so I would encourage you people to look into this because for a small employer like me, 25 employees, we're looking at over $200,000 in credits between 2020 and 2021. So thank you. That's terrific, John. Your, your experience is, is just terrific, but your candor is even more uh, appreciated, I think, by the, by the operator. So, so thanks for sharing all of that um, with us. 
So double dipping, Krista, has come up a couple of times and it's in the chat box as well. Could you take a minute and kind of outline that um, and, and uh, dispel uh, the double dipping? Absolutely. And, and John hit the nail on the head. I mean, he's he's exactly right that this takes a lot of work to, to kind of read through all the legislation and figure it out. So if it if it gets a little confusing, don't count yourself out just yet. There's a lot of misconceptions around what double dipping means. Um, especially when it comes to the PPP and the RRF. You know, a lot of us, a lot of people, a lot of businesses have already received PPP-1, probably have already gotten it forgiven. Um, that's definitely not uh, a disqualifier. What double dipping means is that you can't use the same wages for the ERC that you used for the PPP. But most businesses have found, and I think it sounds like John's was the same, that the PPP money ran out before the year ended. So if you received the PPP, let's say, for example, in April of 2020, and you ran out of money by the end of May or June, anything after that time period, let's say you ran out by June 15th, from June 16th through December 31st are the months that we would be looking at to find those qualified wages. Um, going into 2021 and looking at PPP round two, it's the same conversation. Hopefully you haven't yet applied for PPP forgiveness uh, for round two. If you have, we can still work around that. But if you haven't, that's where I would say hit the pause button before you fill out the application and say what you've allocated those PPP funds to. Get some professional guidance on how to break down your rent, your utilities, your applicable expenses that you could be applying the PPP round two or any RRF funds if you were lucky enough to get it. Um, but yeah, ultimately, double dipping means if you've already filled out your forgiveness application and said that I applied my PPP to wages during this time frame, that's the time frame we have to exclude when looking at the ERTC. Now, I'll jump into one other sidetrack of that is that if you filled out your PPP forgiveness and you put wages for the entire year, but those wages far out, far exceeded what your PPP was, I've heard this story a few times say your PPP amount was, I'm just going to make numbers up, $250,000. And you say, I had $750,000 worth of wages. Um, and that's what you put on your forgiveness. Ultimately, all that was forgiven was $250,000. That was the amount of your PPP. So even if you put all of your year's wages on that application, that's not necessarily a deal breaker either. What it really boils down to is how much of your PPP funds were applied to wages and what wages were not used that we can now use towards the ERC. Krista, thanks. Um, uh, Susan, hopefully that answers the first part of your question. Um, and then there's another question, Krista, that is along these same lines that, that if, a, if a PPP expires on 5-8, um, could they, this person claim wages from 5-9 to the end of Q2? That, that's exactly right. If it's that's a good example. If it expires on 5-8 of 21 and your PPP funds ran out on 5-8 of 21, then any wages starting 5-9 and going forward are now eligible wages. So in Q2, that would be that would mean anywhere from 5-9 through 6-30 that you could look for wages in Q2. And then of course that clock starts over for Q3 on July 1st, which means that for the entirety of Q3, all of your wages will be qualified, will be eligible, assuming you're still an eligible employer. 
Thanks, Krista. Hey, John, you mentioned uh, you're still waiting for the for, from the return that you amended. You so you amended a, a return, paper return. You're still waiting for that. What's the clock? How long has the clock been running on waiting? That's kind of well, part one of, the, one of the questions. Then part two is: is an electronic amendment and refund an option? Uh, so for 2020, it had to be a paper one because we had already submitted all of our our deposits uh, electronically through 2020. Um, for Q Q1 and Q2 of this year, when we submitted them electronically, you can deduct. So, so the way that this works it, is it goes against your payroll taxes, right? So you, if I've got a $30,000 credit and I have $10,000 worth of payroll taxes that are due to the IRS on, and it's the 941 form, um, mm -hmm. I can deduct that amount, the 10,000 that was due. And that's what I did on my last payroll for Q2. And I did that for the last payroll of Q1. Um, and that way I submitted it electronically and I got that refund quicker. As far as 2020, uh, Krista can talk about this, but it's a, it's a actual paper return that you have to send in and it, you, we're just waiting and there's really no way to track it. I've also asked my payroll people, is there a way that we can track this? And there's really not. Um, Krista explained earlier that, you know, she's done hundreds of these and she's got about five of them or something like that have been returned. So it's out there. It's, you know, it's like when you file your regular taxes, you wait for the refund and you don't know when it's coming. That's, that's absolutely correct. Um, anytime that you're filing an amended return, unfortunately, that is a paper process. So now that we're into July, if, if you're just now looking into the ERC, this is your first time kind of dipping your toe in the water, then you're looking back to 2020 Q1 and Q2, most likely that you'll be filing an amended return for. Um, ideally, you know, you, you'll have a situation like John's where you can file electronically on time. So for those of you who have not yet filed your Q2 941, it's not too late uh, to contact someone, get some help and, and try to get that filed electronically on time so that you can receive those benefits much more quickly. But when you file a paper amended return, uh, you can just imagine the IRS office where these envelopes are coming in and someone is sorting through the mail and opening them up and processing them on a one-by-one -one basis. Um, most of the time that is especially with 2020, they're looking back and comparing your wages to your PPP forgiveness application. So it's, it's a rather lengthy process. And the IRS has just as many um, employment issues as the rest of the country is facing right now. So we hear more and more every day that they're adding more staff and that they're putting more attention on trying to get this processed quickly. But, uh, but John's exactly right. If it's a paper return, you're looking at uh, potentially anywhere from six to eight months to get that first return back. So uh, it's, it's definitely in everyone's best interest to be looking at it as soon as possible. And uh, if you are eligible for Q3, we get that on your electronic return, or especially if you have not yet filed your Q2 941, that we get that done electronically as well. Thank you. And maybe, um, Chris, I have a, another maybe technical definition. Uh, John mentioned it before that he, he used TIPS and appropriately so, TIPS is income, uh, but, uh, is it accurate that you that uh, an operator can also use 
healthcare premiums and 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 other items of income, PTO, et cetera? Yes, that is a that's a loophole not a lot of people know about. Um, and tips is the same one for Don. It anything that's coming through on your employees' paychecks as wages, anything that gets counted as taxable wages. So in employer contributions to healthcare, employee contributions to healthcare, any income, whether that is salary, PTO, um, paid sick time, vacation time, anything that you are that the health that the employer is paying to have retained their employees is eligible. Um, you know, ultimately, the intent of this credit from Congress is to basically give you guys a break, is to reward you for having stayed open and been paying your employees. So even if you sent all of your employees home for two weeks while you figured out what you were going to do and then you brought them back, if you were still paying their health care during those two weeks, that would qualify for that two week period. It doesn't necessarily have to be hourly wages that you were paying. Thanks, Krista. Um, I see a question here from Ron Moore. We may have addressed it. Um, uh, we used our PPP round one by August 2020 to pay employees. We did not claim an ERC for the balance of 2020. Can we go back and claim retroactively for 2020? We may have answered on questions. I didn't want to get past it without acknowledging it. Yeah, that I, I hope that we did answer it, but that that is definitely a yes. If you had if you have any time period in 2020 where your PPP ran out and you continue to pay wages through the end of the year, uh, you can retroactively go back and file for that. Hopefully that is a favorable answer for, uh, for Ron. Um, Krista, there's a, so Q3 and Q4, Oregon is now open, uh, restrictions lifted, um, so on and so forth. A lot of the a discussion was around restrictions, um, impact of business, business disruption. There, is, even though Oregon is open, there's still again a little bit of a loophole or definition of flexibility of definition of what a disruption was. And now that we're open again, what it could be, including supply chains, supply disruptions, uh, et cetera. Could you spend a few minutes on kind of government intervention and interference post reopening and reopening. Absolutely. So there, there are two tests to qualify for the employee retention credit. We touched on the one, which is revenue. Um, that's, that's just an easy math problem to check your revenue. Um, but the other one is the full or partial suspension. And to go into just a little more detail about that, full or partial suspension means that if at any point your, rest, your, your business was impacted by government regulations, meaning that you couldn't do business as usual because of some kind of government regulation impacting travel, group meetings, um, any, anything that affects your ability to do business as usual. So for restaurants, that could be capacity. For hotels, that could, or even I've, I have um, a lot of clients in the medical industry and they're an essential employer that never shut down, but they had to do additional cleanings between patients, which limited the amount of patients they could see each day. Um, what we're looking at for full or partial suspension is a what the IRS calls a nominal impact to your ability to do business. And they define a nominal impact to about a 10% impact. So 
now that Oregon has completely opened up, going into Q3 and Q4, you might tell me, well, we don't have any restrictions. We don't have any government regulations. Our capacity is right back to being open. There's no problems there. Um, however, there are some guidelines that might still be in place if your business has to follow, let's say, something with the CDC or some kind of higher organization that you answer to um, that might mandate cert a certain amount of cleaning or a certain amount of social distancing. That would still uh, show that you're eligible. Or to your point, supply chain disruption. If because let's say that you get your produce from a farmer in another state, in a local state, and that state is still under restrictions, so they're not able to get you what they normally would. I think, and I'm struggling to come up with a, with a good example on the fly. I apologize for that. But any time that someone is not able to get you what they need through your supply chain because they are under restrictions, then at that level, you can connect the dots and say governmental orders are still impacting your business even if it's not your local government that's enforcing those orders. Thanks for that. And just a, a small but important add-on, although this is a, a hospitality-focused webinar and Orla members hospitality-focused, obviously, and we might have touched on this in your, some of your introductory comments, but many of these operators are entrepreneurial. So ERTC could have some impact to uh, a non-hospitality organization that a operator has you know, on the side, um, completely unrelated to hospitality. All industries qualify? That's that's completely correct, yes. With the December 27th legislation opening up to essential employers, there is literally not one industry that would not qualify for the ERC. It doesn't matter whether you're essential or not essential. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Uh, what matters are your specific set of circumstances around your business. That, that we're gonna be able to tell a story to get you to qualify. And, and for anybody in Oregon, in this, especially in the state of Oregon, um, you know, we know that you were under governmental orders up until I believe it was June 29th. So uh, you, you definitely would qualify for the first few quarters, at least to some, to some level. Thank you. Um, I see a, a question in the chat box. Again, we might've touched on it in the course of the conversation, but um, someone asked if it's correct that Q3 and Q4, you can only offset the credit against Medicare tax. And if so, does that carry forward? So, yeah, this is a little bit more technical of a question. Um, the Rescue Act provides that the ERC may only be claimed against the employer's share of Medicare, Medicare tax. So I believe that's equal to about 1.45% uh, of wages. So it's not against the employer's share of the social security tax, just against the employer's share of the Medicare tax. But Krista, you would still be eligible for a refund if it was over that amount that you owed, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately the employee retention tax credit, um, many, many times you're going, and, and yours is a perfect example, even when you filed electronically on time, some of that you're getting as a refund check. So a lot of times you're going to see that come as a refund check and, and it is applied towards your payroll tax credit, including the Medicare tax. That's correct. 
Great, thank you. Um, while we uh, queue up other uh, questions in the chat box, and I would encourage all the participants to feel free to, to forward some questions. We'll, we'll tackle them with our remaining time if we can. Um, so we've laid out a kind of a clear, a clear path on, on what ERTC is, how, how, uh, how it's applied. John, really terrific um, and thoughtful real life example. Thank you for sharing your experiences there. Krista, can you uh, talk about some of the myths and misconceptions? Oh, there you go, yeah, myths and misconceptions. We touched on a few, but for our, uh, for our viewers um, and listeners, let's just knock down some of these, the rest of these myths, thanks. Sure thing. Um, th these are ones that seem to come up quite a bit. Um, I hear all the time that uh, you're receiving guidance that you can't be eligible for the ERTC if you receive the PPP, especially if you've had it forgiven. Hopefully we've covered that pretty thoroughly at this point, but you absolutely can receive the ERC even if you've had your PPP forgiven. Um, I've heard that you know, I, I'm not eligible because my revenues have increased. I actually did well during the pandemic. You know, again, that's not necessarily true. Your revenues may have increased because you found alternate ways to do business or, um, you know, whether you might have, you might have increased your DoorDash and Grubhub and mobile orders, but you were still limited on capacity in the restaurant. So um, revenue increase does not, is not a disqualifier. Um, you can still be eligible even if only part of your business was suspended. So for example, um, in a hotel, if you have a hotel, you may have a spa, you may have a restaurant, you may have a coffee shop inside the hotel. There may be different aspects to your business that are all encompassed in your resort or in your hotel. Um, and so only the spa was suspended, but you were still able to provide lodging. There is a good chance though, that your lodging was still impacted by having to clean the rooms more thoroughly, resulted in a slower turnover. So maybe you weren't able to stay as full. Uh, maybe you had to social distance, uh, which affected, I, I don't know, how often you're, if you have a golf, if you have um, golf packages as an option, but you could only do so many uh, tea times because you had to abide by social distancing. There's, there's a lot of different stories that we can, that we hear, everybody has their own set of facts. Um, so even if only part of your business was suspended, the entire business might qualify. And I actually have a great example of that. I'm, I'm working with a school system right now that have schools in various states, Colorado, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and some of those states never shut down. The schools never had to close. They never had to turn anyone away. However, Colorado was a very strict state where they did have to completely shut down for at least two weeks. Well, because they were suspended, in Colorado, a portion of their business is now considered suspended. So the entire business is eligible. So the employees that they were paying in Minnesota and Wisconsin in states that were not necessarily suspended are still eligible to receive the employee retention credit because a portion of their business in another state was suspended. So again, there's always stories to be told. Um, you're still eligible even if you have over 100 or even over 500 employees. And where those numbers are coming from is that the original legislation said that if you, you had to be under 100 employees in order to be considered a small employer. The thing is, just to be a small employer doesn't, if you're a large employer, that doesn't mean you don't qualify for the ERC. It just means there's additional rules. So we have to go into a little bit deeper of a dive to find out what the qualifying wages mean. And I won't go into all of that now, um, but there is a difference between a small employer and a large employer but just because you're a large employer does not mean you don't qualify. Um, 
we touched on the essential industries. If you, if you are considered essential, if you never fully close down, you are still eligible. And so ultimately all of that to say, there's, there's no broad brush approach. As I've said before, every business has its own set of circumstances and qualifying factors. You all have a story to tell. There's not a single business in the state of Oregon that was not impacted in some way. I would even venture to say that there's very few businesses in the entire country that were not impacted in some way. Um, and ultimately too, the bottom line with the myth and misconception, I hear this all the time. I can't qualify for that quarter. You know, I only have two weeks out of that quarter that we were shut down. I only have two weeks out of that quarter that, that were left over after PPP. Any time frame at all will qualify. It's not an all or nothing credit. So just because you are up, eligible for up to 7,000 per employee for each quarter in 2021, if you tell me that there's only one week that we can qualify you, then you can still receive credit for that one week. It's not, an, it's not all or nothing. So those are some of the main myths and misconceptions. Um, I haven't been viewing the chat box, but I'm assuming a few more questions are coming through that probably touch on these as well. And Tom, I can just throw one more thing in there. Please, John, you bet. You know, you, even if it's a small part-time employee or somebody that was a new hire. So for example, I had a, in Q, uh, Q2, I had an employee that was a new hire. They had $980 in wages, right? Well, that 50% of that is $500, right? Yeah. $500 is $500, okay? So, you know, a lot of the, if, if people aren't making the $10,000 maximum and you're getting your either 70 or 50% of it, it's all of their wages. Even if it's only a few hundred dollars, you're eligible for between 50 and 70% of that person's wages. So for me, it was definitely worth spending the time to go through and, and figure these things out. I'm glad you touched on that too, because another myth we didn't put on this list is um, whether or not you can claim the credit on your part-time employees. And the answer is yes. When we're counting full-time employees, your full-time employee equivalent for 2019 is how we determine whether or not you were a large employer in 2020. Um, but that does not, the full-time or part-time does not affect whether or not you can receive uh payroll credit from, from those employees. Terrific additions. Thanks, John, for, for adding that and Chris to the follow-up. Um, I think we're monitoring the questions pretty well. I think we are just down to the last terrific question from Angela, which I also received from a different person separately. Um, and she, she asked when filing the returns, could the credits be treated um, as a taxable income to, to owners and shareholders? And then conversely, I had a similar question a text into me, are ERTC refunds taxable? Uh, I will, and I should, you know, we touched on this when we were preparing for the webinar. Um, I will clarify one fact, and that is that I am not a CPA and that the firm that I work for works solely on specialized tax credits, such as the ERC or other state-specific tax credits. Uh, we don't work in compliance. Um, so when I say this, I will quantify it and say that that is a question to go to your CPA about when you receive your tax refund to talk to them about how that's going to affect your income taxes. Um, but the short answer is, um, it, I think it depends on how your business is set up. 
um, if you're an S corp, if you're a partnership, I know that it does affect profit sharing. Um, but ultimately that's not been a side of it that I've been a part of. So unfortunately I don't have a strong answer to that question. Well, thanks for that answer, Krista, to the, to the best of your ability. And, and uh, we'll certainly note, um, you know, seeking out folks on tax advisors for, for those kinds of questions. Um, appreciate it. Um, and I apologize, Krista, if I missed it during some of the questions and while I was reviewing the chat box, but did you touch on uh, when we were talking earlier this week, preparing, we talked about the folks on this call are new operators. Maybe they don't have 2019 comparisons. Um, there's, there is provisions for new operators. That the rules are a little bit different, but they still, but they still exist. To your point that everybody is entitled to their own set of facts. Uh, when mm -hmm. you see, could you just touch on the new operators? Yes, um, so that's a great question. If you are a new operator, meaning you were not in business in 2019, um, so as we've kind of touched on the ERC, when you're looking at your revenue, you're comparing, let's this the same quarter or the previous quarter to 2019. So for example, if you're in Q1 of 2020, or sorry, Q1 of 2021, then you're looking at your revenue compared to Q1 of 2019. You can also go to the previous quarter and this is where it gets a little confusing, meaning that you can look at Q4 of 2020 to qualify you for Q1 of 2021. So if you were down 20% in Q4 of 2020, that can also qualify you in 2021. But if you're telling me that you look back from Q1 of 2021 to Q1 of 2019, and you say, I wasn't in existence in Q1 of 2019, maybe I didn't open until June of 2019. Um, then you can use 2020 as your comparison. So if you were not open in the same quarter in 2019, you can use the same quarter in 2020. So to qualify you for Q1 of 2021, if you were not open in Q1 of, of 2019, then you can use Q1 of 2020 to qualify you instead. Now, if you say, I still was not open in Q1 of 2020 either, I didn't open until let's say, June of, of 2020, which probably is unlikely because we were all under strict restrictions at that point. But let's say, for example, you opened in the second quarter of 2020. Then, unfortunately, you're not eligible for ERC until Q2 of 2021. If you do not have the same quarter in a previous year to look back on to compare your revenue, then you would not be eligible for that quarter of ERC. Even if you were eligible because of the government shutdown bar? That's a, that's a great point. If you are eligible because of the government shutdown, and thank you for clarifying that, because in Oregon, you probably would. Um, it, I, I'm talking strictly if you're looking at revenue as your qualifying factor. Right. So most of our members would be, the bar is pretty easy for most of our members because of, of the highly restrictive uh, things that were enacted on us by, by the governor and her executive orders. So, I mean, even if you opened in January of 2021, mm -hmm. you opened up during government restrictions. And so you could be eligible, would be my understanding. 
Absolutely. And, and I think that we've established that even though different counties were under different levels of restriction, I don't believe there was a single county or local government that had completely lifted all restrictions until, um, until at the end of Q2. So in theory, because I don't want to make any, any absolute guarantees, but in theory, every single business in the state of Oregon should qualify for at least some form of credit for Q1 of 2021 if you were open in Q1 of 2021. And then I've got one more quick question for you, Krista. Yes, sir. Is, and, and this was something that I was looking forward to when the government, governor did lift her order. So she lifted it on the 28th of June. Okay. Um, if she had lifted it on the 2nd of July, would all of Q3 been, been uh, eligible or is it just the, the dates that you're under the government restrictions? It is just the dates that you are under the government restrictions. So ultimately what it would what it would factor under is the qualifying wages are the wages that that fall under the qualifying period. If that makes sense. So if you, if she had lifted it on July 2nd, then any wages you paid July 1st to July 2nd would instantly qualify because of government regulations. But again, I'll reiterate too that just because the government orders have been lifted does not mean that you're solely looking at revenue going forward. There may still be impacts to your business um, from a supply chain disruption or from, from other impacts that we could look at as well from a government regulation standpoint. Great follow-up, yeah. Yeah, great questions. <laughs> would have been something just to miss it by a couple of days to cost a quarter. Uh, it would not have been ideal. Um, well, this is really terrific. I, I uh, thank you both. Um, we are up against our uh, 150 end uh, of time for this particular webinar. Uh, Krista, John, just really terrific conversation. Fantastic examples. Thanks for your uh, for your background and and your real life experience uh, with with uh, the ERTC. Um, Lori will make the recording available to everybody that was registered. So folks that um, dialed in, we appreciate it. And you'll uh, have opportunity to review this again with your own uh, professional. And to the extent that you need one, we encourage you to reach out to Krista at Think LLP. Krista, as you can tell, is a professional and she'll be able to walk you through uh, any needs, uh, retroactive or, uh, or otherwise. And I think with that, I would just uh, hope that this time uh, was, uh, was meaningful. I hope we uncomplicated a little bit. The ERTC, I hope we made it a little more uh, easy to think about um, and at least, you know, perhaps put you on a path um, to answering those own questions and putting money uh, back in, in, your, in your own pockets. Again, thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. And I think we're adjourned. There are all kinds of workplaces, and they all need workers' compensation insurance. SAFE is the leader in Oregon's workers' comp because we offer low rates and the best service in the industry. For over 100 years, we've helped workers and businesses by providing benefits quickly and getting workers back on the job safely. And with over 1,000 employees across Oregon, we're just around the corner when you need us. Exceptional service. That's workers' comp that really works. Learn more at saif.com. Well, what a fantastic webinar. I hope you all got as much out of that as I did or more. Uh, and just as a reminder for our Orla members, 
one of the many benefits of being a member is the fact that we will put this webinar on our member portal. So if you go to OregonRLA.org and log in, if you're a member, you'll be able to go back and view this webinar once again, which means that you'll have access to that information, uh, the questions that were asked and uh, the panelists and everything that they did as well. At this time, uh, it is time for our advocacy watch. This is where we boil down some of the local, state, and national government affairs issues that you should be aware of. And we're going to start local. We're going to start with a couple of sales tax on meals in Lincoln City and in Cannon Beach. Uh, the city councils there are considering these prepared food and beverage taxes or sales taxes on meals. And Orla is, with the help of local restaurant operators, opposing these. We don't believe that one industry, in this case the restaurant industry, should be shouldering the burden for services that are going to benefit the entire community. So for up-to-date information on that, you can go to our website, OregonRLA.org, go to Advocacy for the latest updates, and check your email for information from our communications and marketing department. Going statewide now, the legislative session wrapped up recently, and there were some great victories. We were able to, under House Bill 3389, get a portion of unemployment insurance taxes deferred and forgiven, uh, depending on how much your insurance, unemployment insurance taxes went up. Uh, you may be able to get uh, up to a third of those deferred and then up to 100% of that third forgiven. We also had cocktails to go during the pandemic, which is now permanent. And we had intellectual property protection for third-party delivery, which means that uh, third-party delivery apps will need to get consent from a restaurant before they're able to list their menu, their pricing, anything about them on those apps. So for more information and all of the legislative wins and, and everything else that happened during the session, again, you can go to OregonRLA.org and go to the advocacy section for more information. Yeah, Greg, just wanted to add a little bit here. Um, they can find all that information on our website and also uh, take a look at the link that says year in review uh, that's on our on our homepage. There's quite a bit of, uh, you know, what we might call wins, but but uh, certainly things that have really helped the industry over the past, you know, 16 months. Uh, it's been kind of crazy, but um, yeah, we as an association and along with uh, all of our industry leaders and advocates uh, have have done quite a bit of work on behalf of the industry. Yeah, that's a great point, Laura. You know, sometimes we fail to uh, pick our head up because we're working so hard on everything that's right in front of us uh, and kind of go back and revisit some of the wins that we did have, some of the victories. And although some were bigger than others, uh, a lot of them made a, a big difference to people out there. And so, yeah, please do take a look at that and know that we are out there working on your behalf as an industry. Well, at this time, we're going to take a question from one of our listeners. Uh, you know, last year with the pandemic, of course, a lot of events were canceled. A lot of in-person events couldn't happen. Uh, some people went to virtual, but of course, trade shows is one of those things where it's very difficult to do virtually. So the question from our listener is, is the Northwest Food Show coming back? And the answer is an emphatic yes. It will be August 1st and 2nd at the Portland Expo Center. 
you can go to nwfoodshow.com for all the information. But uh, just to give you the highlights, we have got hundreds of unique industry vendor booths. We have our cooking stage. And this year, I'm very excited because uh, we've invited celebrity chef Scott Conant out to be uh, there at the Northwest Food Show. Peter Cho, and there's going to be several others that are going to be joining us on the cooking stage. So a lot, a lot of fun to be had there. In addition, we have a tasting pavilion uh, with the region's finest adult beverage offerings and kind of a special thing, ask the experts. It's a one-on-one -on -one consultative appointment with industry experts in a number of fields. So if you're looking for some help, uh, if you wanted to get the opinion of somebody who's been there and done that, uh, come on out to the Northwest Food Show and ask the experts. And again, just another benefit of being an Orla member, you can register for free if you're a member with the discount code ORLA. Now, we just gave that away to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you just gave the secret code away. No, but really, Greg, there's, there's so much going on at that food show, and we're so excited to have a big event, you know, face-to-face -face people again. And this is the show to do it. Uh, this is the event because you want to be able to taste, uh, you know, do tastings, food tastings and alcohol tastings and uh, talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. And it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful show to participate if you're in the in industry. A lot has changed in our industry, Lori, in the last 16 months or so. And I expect we're going to see some of those changes some previews of, of those changes too uh, at the Northwest Food Show. So again, August 1st and 2nd, Portland Expo Center, go to nwfoodshow.com, register and check it out because it's going to be a, a great time with a lot of fantastic information. And just as a reminder, you can keep those emails coming to info at oregonrla.org. Let us know not only your government affairs questions, but also your opinions and tell us what's going on in your area. You know, we cover 36 counties, the entire state. I don't know, something like 160 different cities, and we can't keep track of it all without your help. So let us know what's happening and uh, we are here for you. I'd like to say thank you again to Lori Little, Orla Director of Communications to Tom Perrick, our Government Affairs Coordinator for Orla, for facilitating the webinar on the ERTC, and to you for joining us today. I'm your host, Greg Askley, Director of Government Affairs for Orla. Thanks for listening.